This is How to Product. We make the mistakes. So you don't have to. I'm Strummy. I'm Tall. And I'm Nick. And welcome to season two. Woo! Woohoo! Season yes. two. Season two. Yes. We're so back. This season is all about product quality. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean it's kind of the difference between, as a product manager, just getting things done and making good things get done, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, why do you like a product versus, you know, why do you not like another product? You know, what makes something magical? Those are all the hard biting questions that we're going to dive into. Ooh, hard biting. The, yeah, the yeah. Hard stuff, yeah. In this this season. So, yeah, our goal is to like like look at a bunch of products that we really like, um, develop our critical thinking skills, and mm-hmm. kind of go like topic by topic about what we think makes products good. So, Tall, where are we starting in episode one here? Yeah, I think today we're going to start with how do you actually solve a user problem? Oh, that, that a good product solves a user problem? Yes, fun fact, solving problems, key to building great products. So Sounds obvious. Yeah, it, easier said is than the, done has at least more? been my experience, unfortunately. Um, at least from what I've found, and I know we were chatting about this a little bit before, is one of the best models for building product is to really start with a clear user problem. From there, think about how you can use technology uh, and build a product to actually solve that problem. And from there, think about how to make sure it's a sustainable business that you can build on and work from. Mm. And of course, you can think through all of these, but you need to start with a problem for any of this to actually work out well. Yes. This does sound very obvious, but I have made this mistake many, many times. Me too. Right there with you. Yes. And we actually, you know, at How to Product, we have a name for these types of products because we've, you know, when we've shared our stories, this has happened so often. (laughs) We call them a little too often. Yes. Call them mirage problems. The mirage. Yes. So, you know, as a PM, you're out there in the desert of of product (laughs) land, you know, desperately looking for something valuable to do for your. I didn't realize PMing was so dramatic here, Nick. Oh, it's it's really dramatic (laughs) for me. Maybe, maybe, maybe not for you. But and you see something on the horizon and you think you think it's, oh, that's a user problem you can solve and it'll be great and you're ready to go for it. Except once you get there. (gasps) Gasp. Yes, it's not actually it's a user not. problem. So, why don't, Strami, you want to tell us about uh, you know, some of the mirage problems you've seen? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one type of these could be uh, more, we call them bandwagon problems, where mm-hmm. you might be copying a competitor, uh, but it may not make sense for the users that you're uh, trying to target. Like, for example, uh, Google Plus is an example of a bandwagon p- problem. Oh, Facebook's doing uh, social, we need to do social as well. And the challenge there uh, is that either it may have already been solved to a a sufficient uh, extent so that the kind of product opportunity is no longer there, or it might be that the users that you already have uh, kind of having to change their mental model of what your product means uh, may be be like a stretch too far. So does that mean you should never do something that someone else is doing? Clearly. No. <laughs> uh, right. So there is like such thing as competition, and that's generally a good thing, mm-hmm. at least from a user's perspective. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the challenges with bandwagon problems is where it like doesn't actually uh, maybe like the company that you are working with um, isn't actually set up well to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be one reason where like a bandwagon, it might be like a bandwagon problem as opposed to just like healthy competition. Yeah. Or I think you often see people trying to do more of a copy-paste situation without necessarily 
um, an insight or something that's actually differentiating or working better Ooh, for the differentiating. user. I think that may be a future a f- future topic. episode yes, jumping right. ahead yes, here. Yes, looking at the notes. This is right. post desert time. Yeah. Right, and it may be just like plain distracting for the company, and so the yep. kind of opposite yeah. of that would be a, a very focused set of problems that your team or your company uh, solves. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think it kind of also comes back to what Tall said initially. If you're making decisions, um, like business decisions before product decisions, yep. or before you know, use focusing on the user. Yep. You're probably going to be in a bad place. You, you said that in the exact reverse order that we should be doing it. Yeah, I'm just trying to confuse everyone. I think <laughs> I, I, I have a high estimation of our audience's intelligence that they will not be confused by this reverse order. Perfect, great. So in addition to bandwagon problems, there are also uh, cool tech problems. And I love cool tech. Why cool is that tech. a problem? And not, not to pick on Google, but uh, <laughs> maybe to pick on Google. Uh, Google Glass is one example of a cool mm-hmm. tech problem. Hey, look, we can get this phone hardware small enough to put it on your face? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of also that was like a big visionary thing. Like, you know, it's like, maybe that's a different type of problem we don't have a catchy name for. The, like, the the future too early or the, I read a sci-fi book and didn't, and <laughs> yeah. wanted to make that. I mean, I think they're still intertwined because I think that the reason it's sci-fi is because you've identified some cool tech that you think yeah. is futuristic. The problem is, isn't that you're applying the cool tech. Applying the cool tech is great. It just needs to come in the service of solving a user problem first. And it becomes a a sort of mirage problem only if you're starting with the tech and not starting with the user problem. Yes. Yes. I'm just curious, how many, or like have both both of you had someone come to you who've said, we've been working, we just read this research paper and we want to implement this, or we just, Mm -hmm. you know, we just published this this paper. What can we do with it? Yes. Let's let's brainstorm Sometimes ideas of what out. we can do with yes, this. Yes, yes. You should never go to those meetings. <laughs> no, yeah, walk away. Yeah, if it's not immediately, oh yes, this will exactly solve this problem we've been trying to solve already. Yep. It's probably going to be a mistake. Yep. Okay, so we've so got we're out in the desert. Wagon. We're yeah. out. Okay, we're out. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I want to tell us about your aggressive analogy. Do you want to tell us? Do you want to share the third one? Sure. Um, so we've got bandwagon problems. We've got cool tech problems. Uh, another one that at least I've encountered quite a bit is the us problem, where you have a problem as a business, mm. and you've got a great solution to solving that problem. If only users also had that problem. Yes. That would be great. Uh, but you don't really get to that last part. You just sort of identify an us problem, uh, and you go solve it. Right. This, this so is one, uh, one example of this would be like Facebook phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook. Ah, wouldn't it be great if we had a... Yeah. mobile operating if, if, system. Right, you know, if, if, if Facebook were not just an app, but yeah. also a platform. Yeah. Um, oh, what are platforms? Well, phones are platforms. Um, well, what if we make a phone? Yeah. Uh, so they, they made a phone. They made a phone. And yeah. it turns out that was more of a Facebook problem than a user problem. I've, I've also, I've heard this referred to as a wouldn't it be great problem before. Hmm. What wouldn't do you mean it, by that? Yeah, wouldn't it be great if our users really wanted another operating mobile it, phone? Yeah, it would be great if our users wanted a Facebook phone. Um, another place I've seen this a lot too, um, in, uh, uh, in is with SaaS companies that think, wouldn't it be great if you know our users wanted this feature that would give our product virality? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes. It would, it would be great, be great if, if our product was viral. Yes. Yeah. If the product isn't sort of inherently viral, uh, it can be very difficult to add or bolt on virality. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's not that you shouldn't aim to try to make your product viral, but you really should be. You know, thinking about like what are actual problems the users have, and maybe it's more of like a mechanism of how you prioritize right. the yep. existing problems. Right. And I think what's key to this problem is that order that we talked about before, right? User problem, build product, uh, and then find the business opportunity. This one puts that exactly on its head. 
it starts with that business opportunity and it goes, mm-hmm. we need to, to address this business opportunity or business challenge uh, and doesn't start with that user problem. Yeah. And then it tries to sort of backtrack from there. So what, what types of problems do humans have? Well, mm. since we're all humans and experts we, on this, I, I, right? Yeah we, yeah, we totally are all humans. Well, in Nick general, yeah. I'm going to get a little philosophical here. As More Nick analogy does. or less yes. analogy than yes. what we already did? It's, it's not a, I'm not sure if it's an analogy. Okay. I'm just going to we'll go see. with it. We'll okay. see what happens. Okay, here we go. But, but people want things and they want to do things, right? Crazy, yes. But yes, but this world <laughs> is imperfect and so friction exists, which means we have to expend effort and energy to do those things. Not they effort. Might even be, yes, impossible. Right, and we're not talking about necessarily literal friction here like you learned in science class. Right, yep. More metaphorical you know, since we're in the yeah. metaphors here, Got metaphorical yeah. as long fiction, as we stay within the metaphors. you have to do stuff that you would rather not do or that takes time, takes effort, yeah. takes focus. So what's a product? A product is a thing that reduces friction to do something you want to do. Ah. Yeah. Is, is that, does that work? Is that like... It's probably like one useful way to think about it. It's probably yeah. overly simplified, but like, do we have any that's examples okay. of, you know, what are what are some products that like kind of follow this... Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of products out there that's sort of key insight uh, is reducing friction. I think one that comes to mind is Venmo, right? Uh, PayPal existed for quite some time before Venmo and was used for a lot of payments, but cash existed. Cash existed before then, yeah, yeah. Um, And but Venmo made it even easier to exchange money between people you know initially, and they're expanding from there. um, Even though there were other solutions out there, and so actually going back to some of the other pieces. They are in a same similar problem space where there are competitors, uh, but they managed to address the problem with by reducing friction even more. So that was why they were the best product is because they were the lowest friction. That is why they were able to enter enter that market, I think, and be. A, a, I, I mean, would say a better. Strami is thinking very yeah, hard, I'm thinking right hard now. here. Yeah, <laughs> it might be a reason to try it. However, there were other products that tried to reduce that friction at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that. Venmo ended up doing very successfully was uh, the model that it chose kind of inherently had uh, a virality and a network right. effect to yep. it. And so it it sort of shows that there are more things than simply reducing uh, friction in terms of which product wins in the market. But at the very least, uh, if you want a user to try your product, they have to believe that it will be re- reduced friction for whatever they're trying to do. Yep. Or at least and at some point clear, in the future. A user might not describe it that way. They might not identify it as like, I chose Venmo because it reduced my friction yeah. compared to other payment methods. Yeah. No, I mean, it could be like, oh, my friends were there. Or, oh, yep. like, I don't want to have to pay the 2.5%. Or, oh, I can use it on my phone. Or, oh, I can set it up with my debit card. Yep. Yeah. And it's also important to know that, like, we talked about PayPal, Venmo's being like, an easier version of PayPal, which yep. is already, but we also mentioned it's an easier version of cash. cash. Yep. And so some of these, you know, products like, you know, they're solving problems that right. are around for a very long time. Yeah. Right. So another way to think uh, about products is that they do something to a degree that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe uh, one of these could be like Facebook, the original Facebook newsletters existed. Uh, people gossiped in real life. There were reunions. Uh, Facebook sort of allows people to do that uh, all within the walls of Facebook very, very, very easily. They like can do it mm. from their computer to physically show or up eventually to a from reunion their phone. to know what everyone from right. my high so school is up to. Face- Facebook is about keeping in 
touch with people. <laughs> I definitely just use it to waste time. <laughs> you know, it's that or like Pro- stare at products the clouds. Change. <laughs> you stare at the clouds? Not anymore because I have Facebook. <laughs> Too much fog here. Yeah. No clouds. Yeah. Too much fog. Or, you know, something like Gmail where, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that was the degree to which you couldn't have done it before is like, hey, you can... Uh, you can search all of your email or, hey, you yeah. can just yeah. use it as much as you want and you're not going to run out of space. And so there was an upper limit to using email for most people who didn't want to pay for it before. And yeah. that was eliminated yeah. with which uh, is also email. Go ahead. I was just saying yeah. that's another example of what Tal was saying with differentiation and hero features, which is the next episode. Yep. Um, don't worry. There will be more episodes. Yes. Uh, so how might you discover problems. I mean, if you're out in that desert of product land, you're yeah, having right. No, no, we're avoiding the desert. The we're goal is to not end up in the No, no, no. You, it, you already are in the desert. Oh, sorry. Got you're it. Avoiding we were mirages. stranded in desert. Avoid yes. mirage. You're looking for the real problems, the real oases of user problems and not the mirages. Okay. So, Nick, what do we do? Okay. Well, my favorite, my favorite story ever about this is just you look for users who are like hacking some solution together. So mm. That shows they really want something so much that they're willing to build their own thing. My favorite example is Remember before Dropbox, how mm-hmm. you people used to email files to themselves mm-hmm. to yep. use as cloud storage? Yep. yep. Super yep. hard. They Maybe obviously good, wanted something. Right. And yep. it wasn't necessarily clear exactly what that is, but that's part of the product development cycle is go and try some yep. things and see what works. Yep. Or learn and I think about Dropbox more. there identified the need that was underlying, which was people wanted to access their stuff um, as opposed to just making it really easy to email yourself. Yeah. So there are plenty of other ways to discover problems. I think we can cover some of these in future episodes, but things like learning from user feedback or complaints Mm -hmm. or requests, uh, there are some pitfalls there as well. Um, There might be eternal problems, like people need shelter, people need food, so maybe you can think of a better (laughs) way to do that. (laughs) Shelter, critical, yep, yep. Um, Although be careful not to fall into the cool tech uh, solutions there. Uh, And then, like, this does does take time. Uh, If you're... If your engineers are waiting, you can almost always uh, you can yeah. almost always ask them to like go make the product faster, go yeah. make the yeah, existing always, product that's faster. A good idea. Yeah, yeah. So the, anyway, like, like like let's say you think you have a problem mm-hmm. and you want to know if it's real. Like one of the easiest ways that I've done done this before that has shown me that like what I was doing actually made no sense is literally to just try to write a fake press release for it because yep. it really forces <laughs> you to like frame it in the value of like why someone would care about it as opposed to why like the executives at your company care about it yeah and if you if you can't do that yes y- you've got a problem you've got a problem yep probably one of those mirage problems yep great point uh, and then you know ultimately after you've built it one of the main things is that retention is a pretty good like usage and mm-hmm. retention is a pretty good sign signifier signifier, uh, that people are actually valuing what you've built. Yeah. Uh, And I think even before you build it, um, looking at user feedback from your existing product to identify things they're asking for can be a good place to start. Doesn't mean you build what they ask for as solutions, but to identify the problems. So Uh, Tal, can you recap a little bit about... uh, yeah. What we've learned here, I think we're almost at time. Yeah. yeah. So I think we've been the, signaling it for a while. <laughs> the biggest thing here is that as a PM, your number one job is to solve a user problem. And as easy as this might sound, it can actually be really tricky because of these mirage problems that you can find in Nick's desert here. Uh, yeah. And those can come in a few forms. Ones that we've seen really often is the bandwagon problem. You're copy and pasting something someone else is doing. The us problem. You're solving a problem that your company has, but users don't necessarily have. 
or the cool tech problem. You found awesome tech, you want to apply it to something, but you're not actually building it based on a user problem. Um, and there's a lot of different tools you can use to actually discover what real user problems are and to test your hypotheses about user problems. Um, but you really want to make sure that you're fundamentally solving a user problem. Yeah, and so for you to practice this a little bit, uh, one thing that we'll ask you to do is think about the Amazon Echo and uh, try and write down what user problem you think that is solving. And mm -hmm. then the kind of, uh, as a similar product, but it might be solving a different problem, uh, think about the same thing for the HomePod. Are these the same problems? Are they different problems? Mm -hmm. How do you know they're a real problem? How does Amazon or Apple know that? Uh, and that kind of line of thinking might help you uh, build your muscle for identifying uh, and understanding yeah. real problems, like user problems. Also, if you know of any other Mirage problems, please let us know so yeah. we can you know, avoid them in the future. Yep. Yeah. So this has been How to Product. You've learned how to tell the difference between real problems and Mirage problems. Mm -hmm. Now go make good things happen. <laughs>